Hi. How you guys doing tonight? All right. Hey, if you have a Bible with you, let me see it. Let me see it in the air. Let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. Heck yeah. Okay. Hey, two commitments I made to you last night. Number one, everything we talk about this weekend is coming from this book. Hey, these aren't my thoughts. This isn't my best wisdom. Uh, This isn't like, hey, here's some advice on how you should live. Everything we talk about, my my first commitment to you is that it's going to be sourced straight from the greatest story ever told. We talked about this last night, but this is 66 different books, 40 different authors, three continents, three different languages written over a span of 2,000 years that tells one story. And this book is in, in its entirety, Genesis to Revelation, is not about what we have to do to get to God. That whether you're brand new to this thing or you're sitting here going, I don't even believe in this God. My, my ask is, would you lean in tonight to just give this a shot, give it a chance? That what if this story, what if it had something to do with you? What if it had something to do with your life? That this book isn't about what we have to do to get to God, but it's the greatest story ever told because it's about what God has already accomplished, what he has done to get to us. And my first commitment is we're going to dive into this book. My second commitment to you is that I'm going to treat you like adults. And tonight is going to be another night of that. I know we had a long day, uh, but if like this is my full permission to gently Emphasis on the word gently, okay? Like, this is where you can be for each other, right? I'm going to treat you like adults, and so if you gently need to, like, you need to lean in tonight, and the, you're like, homie sitting next to you is doing one of these, that's where you can, like, like a gentle, like, hey, 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 hey. Like, I'm going to treat you like adults. God bless you, my friend, okay? And, and here's why. I think you can handle it. I think you're ready for it. That I believe wholeheartedly that you're sitting here as whether a sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader, that in this chapel this weekend, that you can make adult decisions, that you can pay attention for the entirety of a chapel. I'm gonna treat you like adults because I think you can handle it. And my one commitment, the, the thing that I ask back of you is that you lean in, that you focus, that you pay attention, that you don't nod off, that when we open up God's word, that you open it up, that you read it alongside me. And friend, tonight during chapel or, or during cabin time or tomorrow during free time, if you need to grab your leader or you need to come and find me and go, hey, what did you mean by this? Or what did you, I don't understand this or I still don't really believe in this God. I believe wholeheartedly the best thing that you can do with this God is rest wrestle, is ask hard questions, is to lean in and focus and go, I don't know about this God, but if he's real, I'm going to give him a shot. I'm going to wrestle with this truth. The worst thing you can do is kind of just check out and just settle and float through. And so tonight, as we dive in, friend, I'm going to treat you like an adult. We're going to read God's word, and I ask that you lean in. So if you have your Bible, open up to Ephesians. It's where we were last night. Your Bible's got an Old Testament and a New Testament. If you kind of open up halfway through and then start turning right, you'll find four guys' names. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These four books, they tell the story of Jesus. They tell the story of his life. They tell the story of his death. They tell the story of his resurrection, which we're going to talk more about this weekend. But then if you keep turning to the right after those four guys, they're, they're called the Gospels. That word gospel just means good news. Keep turning to the right. Eventually, you'll find this little book called Ephesians. And we're going to be in chapter 4. That's your big, bold number 4, little verse 18. The little number is your verse. That's, that's verse 18. Okay, and we're going to get here in just a second. Um, over the last couple of years, my, my wife and I, we have this like bedtime routine that we do with my daughter, Piper. And um, it's become kind of like a a tradition in our house. 
And every night around the same time, uh, we start moving towards bedtime, and then it's always like the same thing. Like my daughter wants like a, a, a little thing of milk, and she drinks the milk, and then she's very particular about which stuffed animals she brings to bed with her. And then she wants two books. It's always like, I want two books. And she's very particular about which books they are. And then once we read the two books, we say prayers, we thank God for a few, like whether it's people or things, and she's hilarious with her prayers. We'll ask her, like, Piper, uh, who do you want to thank God for? What do you want to thank God for? And she'll be like, mama's nose. And you're like, okay. Like I, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever thanked God for my wife's nose. Like that's not a thing that I'm like consistently like, Lord, you know, like it's just like that, nothing wrong with her nose. It just, that doesn't pop into my head. That's not a normal thing I pray for. Or she'll be like, dada's toe. And I'm like, God, I, Come to think of it, like I actually am decently thankful that I have toes. Like life is more complicated when you don't have toes, I've been told. Okay, and so like there's these there's really fun prayers that we do, and then she always wants two songs. And like normally we sing songs like, you know, like the like lullabies, you know, like you are my sunshine, my only sunshine, like stuff like that. But like lately I've been trying to, we've been doing this for a long time now, so I've been I've been trying to mix it up a little bit, right? And so um, any Beach Boys fans in the house, okay? Y'all know the song, Surfing USA? Okay, I've started to mix this one in. Okay, so I'm like, I, the other day, I kid you not, like, I, I've been singing this song to her, and so, you know, it's like, uh, if everybody had an ocean across the USA, like, I'm just singing this with her. The other day, Piper's walking around the house, and it, it's like the afternoon. She's walking around, and my dog, Bandit's walking with her, and she's just walking, going, she, she says this out loud. She goes, a bushy, bushy blonde hairdo. And I'm over there, I was like, Yes, right? Like indoctrination is happening. And so we're having fun, like doing all these bedtime stories and the songs and all this stuff. And I lay her down the other day and I'm expecting one of the like OG songs. I'm like, lay her down in bed. I'm like, Piper, you know, last song, which one do you want? And usually it's like, this is the last song. It's getting calm, lullaby, right? She goes, I want Baby Shark. And I was like, uh, how? And I'm like, no, like, Piper, we're not going to do Baby Shark. Like, let's just, like, let's do Sunshine. And I start singing. I'm like, Piper, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. She looks at me. She goes, no, Baby Shark. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. so I do my best, like, lullaby impersonation. I'm like, how do you even do this? Right? I'm like, Baby Shark, do, 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 baby shark, do, 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 baby shark, do, 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 baby shark. And then I'm like, okay, Night Piper. She goes, no, Grandma Shark. I'm like, Grandma Shark. And I kid you not, we go through like seven of these. It's like Grandma Shark, Baby Shark, Dada Shark, Mama Shark, Bandit Shark, right? It's like she wants to do all the sharks. And then say, okay, good night, Piper. And then we end with this every, every night. I ask her this question. I say, Piper, what two things do you know to be true? say this every night to my daughter. Piper, what two things do you know to be true? And she looks at me and she goes, Mama and Dada love me and God loves me. Every night, Mama and Dada love me and God loves me. Now, why is this so important to me? Why is it so important to me that tradition, that we establish these two things? Baby girl, Mama and Dada love you so much and God loves you. Why is this so important to me? Here's why it's so important to me. Already, in my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, I'm already starting to watch her distrust me. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing to watch happen. But she'll wake up the next morning after we've done this whole routine, after I've told her, hey, Piper, what two things you know to be true? Mom and Dad love me. God loves me. She'll wake up the next morning, and it's like 7 a.m. She's like, Dad, I want ice cream. And I'm like, no, baby girl, like, we're not going to have ice cream. It's 7 a.m. Like, we're, let's go 
let's get some, you know, milk and we'll, dad will make you some eggs and some toast. And she's like, I want ice cream. They're like, oh, Piper, actually, we're, we're not going to have ice cream. Dada said no. And if you know two-year-olds, okay, when a two-year-old wants ice cream at 7 a.m. and somebody tells them no, typically World War III would be more bearable, right? Like, this is the moment where my daughter's like, right? Like, this Hulk comes out inside of her. And it's the wildest thing to watch that as I'm asking her this question, like, Piper, I actually, I love you and I'm for you. And, I, and I've, like, I'm trying to set up, not perfectly, but I'm trying to set up this house and this, this life for you that I actually know, right? I'm only, I'm, I'm third, 28 years older than my daughter. I, there's a chance that I might know a little bit more about life than she does, right? Like, like a slim chance, right? Like there's a very small chance that I might know more than she does. And so when I go, Piper, hey, baby girl, like actually that's not what we're going to do when she throws a fit. It's, it's really interesting to watch her not trust me. And tonight what I want to talk about when I want to dive into Ephesians chapter 4, it's fundamentally going to be based around this concept of trust. That trust is based on two things, right? If I ask you, hey, do you trust him or do you trust her? It's always based on these two things. Trust is based on who somebody is, and what that somebody has done. It's always based on that. Do you trust her? No. Why? Because this is what happened last time. Do you trust him? No, because I know who he is and his character. Trust is based on who somebody is and what they've done. Okay, so I, I want us to just kind of like put that in our brain box, pause, and then dive into Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, so if you're in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, give me a nice, loud Hume Lake Preach. Weak sauce, okay? If you're in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, give me a nice loud preach. preach. All right, let's go. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18 says this. I remember, I'll actually, I'll just back up to 17, right? This is what we talked about last night. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futility of thinking. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking to the church of Ephesus going, hey, this is what I insist on in the Lord. No longer should you live as the Gentiles do in their futile thinking. It says this in verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Hey, Paul is addressing a very specific group of people, and he says this. He says they're darkened in their understanding. They are separated from God. Their hearts have become hardened. They've lost all sensitivity, and they've given themselves over to indulge. Now, that's a lot of words. Right? And you might read this, and you might hear this, and you go, okay, what does that have to do with me? Okay, now, what Paul is getting at as he's writing this is that there is now this conflict between who God is and what he has designed for his people and what we are naturally inclined toward. Right? That when, when our hearts have become hardened, when we've lost all sensitivity, when we've given ourselves over to what we want, when we want, how we want it, the Bible actually calls this sin. Right? Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says that we have all sinned and that we have all fallen short of God's standard. Romans 3.10 says there is no one good, not even one. So when it comes to who has sinned, the Bible answers the question like this. It says, 
all. So who has sinned? All. all. So now when, when Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus and he goes, they have given themselves over, it's really easy for us sometimes to read this and go, oh, that sounds like a they problem. That sounds like a them problem. And it's pretty, pretty easy to walk into this chapel as a 6th, 7th, and 8th grader and go, I, I'm actually really not that bad. You want to know why? Because it's really easy to look around us and find somebody who's doing things that we deem as worse. We go, well, I'm not as bad as them. I'm not as bad as her. And we can kind of get comfortable in our own little world until the, until the Bible kind of comes into focus and into clarity as we read and go, okay, so all have sinned and all fall short of God's perfect standard. Now, which begs the question, where did this sin come from? Where did we first see this? And if you have your Bible, I want you to just turn to one more place for me. Turn all the way back to Genesis, okay? This is like the easiest book to find. Just go, just close your Bible, open up the front flap, right? And start turning until you get to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the very beginning. We see the, the very start to this story. And we talked a little bit about this last night, right? That when you drove up the hill and you saw King's Canyon and the beauty of the snow and the trees and the mountains and the sunset, right? Like, as we see creation, the Bible says that creation itself calls out that there was a creator, that there's something behind this creation. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see God create. We see God design. We've seen it in these videos that God is maker, that he is the potter, that he is the clay. Or sorry, that he is the potter and that we are the clay. And in Genesis it says that we were his greatest creation, that we were made in his image, that we were made on purpose and that we were made for a purpose. And that the Bible's gonna go as far as to say that God in his character, that he doesn't feel love, that he himself is love. Right? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 is going to say, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So that when God created, he didn't just like create for kicks and giggles and then step back and set the universe into motion. That he created from a place of love, that he knows everything about you and that he's for you. And that he designed you with a purpose and for a purpose. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see this story take a turn for the worse. And there were two people in this garden, this, the garden called the Garden of um, Eve, and, or, or sorry, the Garden of Eden. And in, in this very beginning, we're going to see Adam and Eve, and God designs them, and he creates them, and he's walking with them. And he's doing life with them. And then it says there's this serpent, which is this uh, personification of our enemy. The Bible talks about this enemy, Satan, and it says that Satan, he slithers in in the form of a snake, and he, he, he plants this seed of doubt in Eve's ear. And in Genesis chapter 3, I just, I just want you to read these first couple of verses with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, four words, Did God really say? Pause right there and look up at me. Okay? Now I just told you this a second ago, but all trust is based on what two things? Who somebody is and what? And what they've done. Okay, so our enemy, he is crafty. And Satan slithers in and he plants this seed of doubt. He goes, did God really say? What's he trying to get Eve to do? Doubt God. Not trust God. 
If God goes, this is who I am, and this is who I'm going to be, and the enemy comes in and goes, did God really say? What's he getting at? Can you really trust him? Is he really good? Is his plan for your life actually the best thing, or do you actually know better? And in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see the the very beginning, the the first sin enter into the picture. And this is my favorite definition of sin right now. A, A theologian wrote this. He said that sin is our unwillingness to believe that what God wants for us is actually our deepest happiness. Sin is our unwillingness to believe that what God wants for us is actually our deepest level of happiness. Now, Pause real quick, okay? Let's go back to Piper. When Piper wakes up in the morning at 7 a.m. and goes, Dada, I want ice cream. What does she want? She wants to be happy, right? In her mind, what's going to make her happy right now? Ice cream, right? Who doesn't love ice cream? Me, because I'm lactose intolerant, but other than that, right? Like, that doesn't matter, okay? Like, she wants ice cream. So if I just, if, if Dad wanted her to be happy, what do I give her? Ice cream. I just go, ah, whatever. I just want my daughter to be happy. Eh, it's fine. But if I did that over and over and over again, I just gave my daughter ice cream whenever she wanted, none of you would look at me and go like, oh, you're such a good parent. Right? No, parents in the room, you'd be like, hmm, you're going to regret that. Right? Like, that's not going to go well for me. So when I tell my daughter no, because I actually want her deepest happiness, I want my baby girl to be healthy. I want her to understand healthy rhythms. So when I want her deepest happiness, sometimes that actually leads me to say no. Sometimes that actually leads me to create some constraints and go, hey, here's what you can do and can't do. And in the Bible, we see this over and over and over and over and over again. See, if you make the same mistake that I made, remember I told you a little bit about about my story last night that I was living growing up going, man, Christianity seems so boring, but at least I get heaven at the end. And all my friends that seem to be breaking all the rules in here, they seem to be having so much more fun here, but the whole hell thing, like the burning, like that sounds gnarly. Like I guess I'll choose heaven at the end. And I was totally missing what the Bible's all about. See that God over and over and over and over and over again, whenever he encounters people in the Bible, he tells them who he is and what he's done. There's a guy named Moses in Exodus chapter three. There's this crazy encounter with God. And maybe you've heard this story before, but Moses walks up to this burning bush. And he's 80 years old at this point. He's committed murder. He's like wandered for the last 40 years trying to figure out what his life's about. Right? Like if you ever find yourself at like 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade going like, I've done too much. You, You don't understand. Like my life is a mess. Like you don't get it. There's no way God loves me. There's no way he can see me. Friends, Moses had committed murder run away from home, and was 80 years old before he met the God of the Bible. So he can still work with you too. And at 80, God shows up to Moses, and you know the first thing he says to Moses? He goes, hey, remove your sandals, because this right here, this, this is holy ground. It's set apart just to be in my presence. There's something special here. And then the next thing he goes, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. What's he telling Moses? This is who I am, and this is what I've done. I am a God that you can trust. Why? Because he's about to tell Moses, he says, my name is I am who I am. 
Do you know, that's like the coolest thing ever. I am who I am. What, what does that mean? It means who I was yesterday and into eternity past is who I am today and it's who I'm gonna be tomorrow. Friends, do you realize like no other being in the history of the universe could ever say that? Who you were five years ago Thank God is not who you are today, and hopefully is not who you will be in five, years, in five years from now. Like when I look back at photos of me in junior high, like when I was a junior higher, do you know what was really cool? What was really cool was to like bleach your hair and then to like spike it with so much hair gel that it was like I had a helmet on, okay? And when I look back at photos of that, I look at my parents and I'm like, Why? Like, why did you let me leave the house like that? And they were like, you insisted on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Like, what, what was I doing? Like, who I was back in junior high is not who I am today and is hopefully not who I will be 20 years from now. But the God of the Bible goes, I am who I am. You can trust me. Y'all ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Does that like ring a bell at all? Like whether you've like been around the church or not, like the 10 commandments is one of those things that's like maybe you've heard of that before. But do you know that God gives the 10 commandments to Moses, this same guy? And do you know what he says before he gives Moses the 10 commandments? Before he gives them any commandments, the God of the Bible goes, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Jacob. I am the God that brought you, my people, out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What's he telling them? This is who I am, and this is what I've done. Therefore, right, the Ten Commandments should be read like this. If you knew who I was, then you wouldn't have any other gods before me. If you knew who I was and what I've done, then you wouldn't take my name in vain. If you knew who I was and what I've done in my character, then you wouldn't fill in the blank. All Ten Commandments. See, the God of the Bible is declaring, right, this is who I am, and this is what I've done. Therefore, this is my way of doing life. See, a, a couple weeks back, I got to, uh, we were doing some baptisms at my church. And um, if you've been around church, like if church culture is like your thing, then if you've seen a baptism before, you kind of know what's going on. Right? But like if you don't, if you didn't grow up around church, like if that's not your jam, like I was at the beach the other day and there was this huge group of people and then like this, uh, you know, middle-aged person like waded out into the waves and then like this younger person followed them and then he started like drowning the young person for a little bit and then brought that person up and then everybody on the shore was like, new life, right? Like congratulations. And I was watching it going like, oh, it's a baptism, right? Like, duh. But if, friends, right, like if you haven't been around that, that's a weird thing. Like they just like drown you for a while and then bring you up and then everybody starts cheering. It's like, that's kind of bizarre. Right? And so I was like watching this whole thing go down and we got to do baptisms um, a couple weeks back at, at my church and when we were doing them, we were out in the plaza, we had, there was like 30, 40 people getting baptized and really what baptism is, it's just like this outward symbol of an inward reality of, of new life, of transformation, of recrafted, that you're aligning your life with Jesus's of his life, his death, his resurrection, and going, okay, this is an outward symbol of an inward reality. And we got to baptize all these people at my church, and it was the coolest thing. And I was, like, near the end of the line, and I don't know about you, but, like, I'm not a big feet guy. Like, they kind of gross me out, right? Like, I don't know what it is about feet. They just, like, they're just kind of gross to me. And so in my mind, I'm, like, kind of weird OCD like this. In my mind, I'm counting all the people in front of me, right? There was, like, 37 people in front of me, and every person getting baptized there's like two or three other people that are also in this baptismal with them. 
And so they climb in, and they're, like, wearing their clothes, and they're, like, taking their shoes off, and they're getting in, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of gross. Right? And then, like, the, all these people are getting dunked under the water, right? And I'm like, I don't know the last time that you showered, right? Like, I, it, maybe there's, like, these body oils and shampoo, and I'm like, homegirl, that dry shampoo's not fooling anyone, right? And you're like, it's like there's, like, all this, you know, it's just, like, gross things happening in this baptismal, like, over and over and over and over again. So by the time I get in, I'm like... Uh, okay, whatever, right? Like, this is cool. And I, like, baptize one of my students. I bring her out. And then afterwards, me and my wife are hanging out. And we're just standing in the plaza. And we have this awesome facilities team at our church. And they come over and they grab a hose. And they, like, uh, take all the oxygen out of the hose. They stick the hose and they put it in the baptismal. And they start draining the baptismal into this field over by our church, right? And it's like, our facilities team's awesome. They're doing this thing. And my wife and I are chatting in the plaza. And my kid, Piper, is like a little church rat. Right? Like if, you, if you're like a, a pastor's kid or your parents or uncles or aunts are in ministry, like you kind of know you just like live at church. Like that's just your thing. That was all growing up for me. And so my daughter's like hanging out, running around the plaza with the other kids, waiting for mom and dad to be done. My wife and I are both pastors at the church. And we're chatting and I look up and I, I tap my wife Paige. I'm like, babe, babe, look at your daughter. Your daughter, right? <laughs> Not my daughter. Look at your daughter. And you follow this hose to the end of the hose in the field. And my daughter, right, she's like bleach blonde hair, like just like the brightest blonde hair. And, she, and she, when she gets like sweaty and she's running around, her cheeks get all rosy red and she's been running around the plaza. She's at the end of this hose. And she's grabbing the hose and she picks up the hose and she's like... <laughs> <laughs> just drinking, just drinking this, this baptismal water. And y'all, y'all, I kid you not, I, we walk over there, and I'm like, like, this is so gnarly. Like, this is the gnarliest moment. And I'm like, I grab Piper, and we, we, my wife and I, like, because we're good parents, we bought her this little, like, pink Yeti uh, water bottle, right? And it's got, like, a, a P on it for Piper, oh, right? And we're like, okay, I, I run over there, and I had, I brought it with me that day. Like, I'm, I'm not perfect. I forget things a lot. But, like, this day I had brought her water bottle. I'm like, homegirl's going to need this. And I filled it up with, like, filtered water at home, stuck that thing back on. It's clean. I ran it through the dishwasher the night before. It's got filtered water in it. And I run over to my daughter, and I'm like, homegirl, like, dada's got your water bottle. And she looks, she looks at me, and she goes, no, and goes back to the hose. And I was like, no way. Like, no shot right now. Like, this is the moment, honestly, as a parent that you're like, Piper, what have I done to lose your trust like this in this moment? Like, what I'm offering you is so much better. And her lack of trust in me leads her to believe that she knows what's best. If she doesn't trust me in this moment, and this is why it's so important to me, mama and dada love you and God loves you. Why is it so important? Because I need her to know in the moments that I go, hey, this is actually way better for you. And she chooses what she wants, when she wants, how she wants it. There's this heartbreaking transaction that happens for me that I go, you actually believe that you know what's better. Because you don't trust me. And as I watch this unfold, I go, <laughs> I do this all the time. I, I can open up God's word. And I can read it, 
But because my understanding is darkened, because the hardening of my heart, because the loss of sensitivity to who God is and what his plan is, all the things listed out in Ephesians chapter 4, I go, my lack of trust in God, the sin in my life, it prevents me from living the life that God desires for me all the time. See, sin is our unwillingness to believe that God wants for us is our deepest happiness. And friend, I think you sitting here in this chapel, you know that there's things in your life where you choose what you want, when you want it, how you want it. There's things in my life where I go, God, I I don't trust you with this one. I want what I want. I want it to be on my timing. And tonight, my hope is that just as, as we go to cabin time, as this space is opened up for you, that you can just do a little bit of business with God and go, God, there's some real areas in my life where I choose what I want, when I want it, how I want it. Why? Because if I'm being honest, God, I don't, I don't trust you with this. And I believe wholeheartedly the God of the universe wants to meet you right there. And just go, this is who I am. And this is what I've done. As you, oh, we open up God's word, we can see this is who he is and this is what he's done. And he's a God that wants to meet you in that moment and go, I have something so much better for you. And it's a life that's recrafted. It's a life that's transformed. It's a life that's led by him, that you were made on purpose and for purpose. And friend, can I just tell you this? If you hear nothing else tonight, would you look at me right now? Would you hear this? If you hear nothing else, There is a God that knows everything about you. The good, the bad, the ugly, the things that you've never told anyone. And he looks at you and says, I love you. And I'm for you. And that's not a transactional love. He knows it all. And he still says, I love you. And he's waiting for you to come to him because you're willing to give him your trust. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity, God, that we have to be reminded of truth. God, I ask tonight that every sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader in this room, God, every leader, every counselor, that we would be able to just pause right now and take inventory of where our trust is at with you. God, thank you that you are a God that always has been, that always will be, that you are faithful, that you are consistent, and that you are patient. God, would we come back to you right now and know that what you have for us is so much better. In the areas that we don't trust you, God, would you reveal those to us? Would you allow us to just take a step of trust closer to you? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.